But we take our cues from people in the past not to mimic what they did, but to learn from them as people not unlike ourselves who were trying to be faithful and authentic and responsible in the midst of the real problems that they were facing. Welcome to Compassion, Courage, Consolation, Voices for St. Vincent's during COVID-19. In this podcast, we're talking to people who love St. Vincent's, love our staff and love the service we provide in health and aged care. We're doing this to support our compassion for one another and those we serve, to bolster our courage in this extraordinary time and to provide consolation amidst the challenges we're facing. And whilst prepared for St. Vincent's, we're sharing this series with anyone who might find it helpful. If you're joining us from outside of our services, consider yourself part of the family. You're very welcome indeed. My name is Dan Fleming. I lead ethics and formation for St. Vincent's. And in this episode, I'm thrilled to welcome a very dear friend of St. Vincent's, Dr. Chris Jacobs Vandergeer. Chris is a lecturer in the Faculty of Theology and Philosophy at the Australian Catholic University. He knows many of our people through his leadership of the Graduate Certificate in Catholic Leadership and Culture. And he's supported us in plenty of formation work across St. Vincent's. Chris, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. Chris, you spent a lot of time over these past years working with leaders from St. Vincent's and other Catholic health providers too, and you've got to know them particularly well, their hopes and their dreams, as well as their leadership gifts. As this pandemic arrived on our shores a couple of months ago, what came to mind for you knowing that these folks would be on the front line? The thing that first came to mind for me is that I'm really grateful that it's these people on the front line for us and not other people. The thing that always impresses me when I uh, teach, when I encounter, when I'm in relationship with folks in Catholic healthcare is how clear they are about their personal vocation and their commitment to help other people. It seems like folks in Catholic healthcare, more than other people I interact with in the Catholic world, are really able to block out the noise that inevitably happens especially for leaders in, or, in any organization, noise about money, about power. Uh, and folks in Catholic healthcare, they tend to take all of that and put it in its proper place because they have this really clear sense that at the core of it all, what really matters is their commitment to serving other people. And so that makes me really, really grateful that, that it's these people who are on the front line. Um, and also I felt when this was all beginning, I felt really concerned because I've built relationships up with folks in Catholic healthcare and I felt concerned for their safety uh, and also concerned for them in the midst of this massive crisis and task that was facing them. Chris, some of our people listening to the podcast might never have heard from a theologian before and might not know exactly what it is that you do. Could you tell us a bit about your work as a theologian and how that intersects with the work you do with our folks through ACU? Sure. So as a theologian, I think a lot about how to bring the materials of the Christian tradition to bear on contemporary problems. And it's that kind of activity that really animates the work that I do with folks in Catholic healthcare. People bring the kinds of questions and, and difficulties, challenges that they're facing in their professional lives, uh, and we think about those problems, those issues, those concerns in conversation with the Catholic tradition, and that's a really energizing and creative experience. I mean, it's not the case that uh, Catholic tradition is this unyielding, inflexible, sort of monolithic thing. 
it's actually a, a set of, it can be a set of resources that inspire some of the most creative forms of thinking. And that's what happens in that, in that classroom is that we engage in a kind of theological activity where we build community together and try to move forward in, uh, on the situations and the questions that really matter to us in conversation with the Catholic tradition. I'm reminded of uh, Sister Marianne Comfoy, who was the first guest on this podcast, use language which pointed to exactly that, which is she said something along the lines of, we are all part of an unfolding story. We inherit the chapters before us, and now we're writing the chapters that follow. And I think it captures really, really beautifully what you've said there, Chris. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, Mary Comfoy is a, a fantastic, wonderful uh, sort of light in the Australian Catholic landscape. And I think that's right. The thing about her response that uh, I would emphasize is the creativity of it, you know, that we're tasked with this awesome responsibility as people who are a part of Catholic organizations to, to live this, this mission forward. And we take our cues from people in the past, but we take our cues from people in the past not to mimic what they did, but to learn from them as people not unlike ourselves who were trying to be faithful and authentic and responsible in the midst of the real problems that they were facing. Um, so it's a very... It's a very human experience. It's a very messy experience, and it's a very beautiful experience. Chris, we've chosen the words uh, compassion, courage, and consolation to frame the podcast, and they're words that are applicable to all people, and, and all people have some wonderful reflections on them, as we've heard, but they're also deeply immersed in our theological tradition. What could you tell us about each of these words and what they might mean for our people at this time? Well, the first thing I, I think of is the Latin origins of the words. So compassion coming from compassio to suffer with. Encourage has a relationship with cur in Latin, which is heart. And consolation coming from a verb consolare, which is to comfort, especially people in grief. And I think when you put them together, it's really helpful to think about or encouraging, especially in this time, to think about having the kind of heart that's courageous enough to be with people when they're suffering and how that is comforting. That's what comfort is. And it's actually comforting also to know that that's happening. I'm thinking about all the stories that we read right now about amazing healthcare workers that are putting their lives on the line to be with people as they're dying and dying away from their family and their friends. And these really heartrending stories that, uh, are full of comfort, like people comforting others in their time of need, but it's also comforting to know that there are people in their lives sort of living out the best in what it is to be human, especially in such strange times. I mean, being human is always kind of strange, but, but it's really strange right now. And yeah, they're just examples. It's comforting to know that there are such amazing people out there. We had the um, uh, the great, uh, I guess, um, witness to that just the other week. There was a, a front page story about one of our hospitals with uh, one of our palliative care doctors making the very public commitment that no one would ever die alone, no matter how bad this pandemic 
gets. And I think it goes to some of what you're saying there, Chris. And the other words that come to mind for me as you're speaking are both presence and proximity. This isn't compassion at a distance. Um, This isn't courage which kind of sits behind a computer screen and it's not consolation that happens at arm's length. It actually is something that's proximate to the person who's suffering and who needs care. Yeah, that's right. I mean, actually, when I put the words together, it reminds me of my favorite definition of mercy, which comes from a friend of yours, a professor at Boston College by the name of James Keenan. Mm. And he says that mercy is the willingness to enter into the chaos of another. And I love that definition of mercy because I feel like it really, uh, it really gets it. Well, the situation that we're living through right now is uh, a situation where we need people who are who are brave enough, courageous enough, and committed enough to enter into the chaos, the uncertainty, the fear, to be with other people. The other word that comes to mind for me there is vulnerability because you you can't enter into that chaos of another um, and exemplify these great virtues of compassion, courage, and consolation unless you your, yourself become vulnerable. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Chris, about uh, your concerns for the people who would be on the front line, that, you know, in, in, in exercising these virtues, it's in a sense not safe. We, we open ourselves up to various kinds of harms and they might be um, the emotional challenges of accompanying some, someone while they're dying or, or the, the, you know, biological risk of contracting the virus. So, yeah, for me, I'd be keen to hear what you think about that, but for me that word vulnerability comes in here really strongly as well. Well, I think that's absolutely right, and it goes together with courage because uh, to be vulnerable is to be willing to take that risk, to step into that space of uncertainty where you, where you are vul- vulnerable. And I think that um, courage is tied up with uh, a practice of courage. I mean, people just aren't courageous out of nowhere. But the people, and this is the thing that's amazing to me about folks in Catholic healthcare that I've met, is that they live the kinds of lives that prepares them to be the kinds of people that are ready to step into that uncertain space and to be vulnerable in that way. And usually it seems to me like the kind of lives that they live, the kind of people that they are, comes back to that commitment that they have to really helping other people, no matter what it takes. Mm, that's a beautiful reflection, Chris. Thank you. You've had the benefit of hearing lots of the stories of our people in your engagement with them. Is there one that comes to mind for you specifically which holds together those themes and um, uh, those themes that have been the, the central part of our conversation so far, compassion, courage, and consolation? I've heard so many stories uh, in the program that I teach because we're entering into conversation about our professional experience and our professional experience unfolds in these Catholic organizations where relationships are at the center and we're bringing that into conversation with the richness of the Catholic tradition, uh, stories tend to fill the air of our time together. So I've heard, I've heard really amazing stories. Um, it's hard to choose. I've heard stories about about pets being brought in hospitals because uh, somebody recognized that there was no joy in the place. And so they were thinking creatively about how to bring joy into the place. And the thing I love about that story is that it begins with an insight that the person had about the needs of the people that were in the room uh, and their commit, the commitment of the person. 
uh, to caring about all the needs of the people in the room. So it wasn't just about providing services, let's say, uh, but this person really cared about the joy and so brought a pet into the hospital. Mm. I've heard about, about weddings, nurses putting, uh, organizing weddings in hospital rooms before loved ones die. Uh, one story that does stick out in particular was a story from a mission person who was in a room with a daughter and the, the daughter's brothers um, of a man who was dying. And this family, they weren't Catholic, and they didn't have any religious faith. Um, and the mission person entered into this amazing conversation with the woman as she's at the bedside of her father. And in the course of that conversation, uh, the mission person commented about how this daughter was in this sacred space of, of being with her, her father in a way that she was loving him into the completion of his life. And it, hearing the person tell the story was incredibly powerful for everybody in the room. But the instantly when she said this, the woman started crying, uh, her brothers started crying, and it was like uh, just her ability to connect with the woman as she was at, at her father's bedside and to say something that gave them a kind of foothold in the midst of this difficulty and this uncertainty, to say something that allowed them uh, a space of healing. She, she really just held the space with the family that created an opening for some sort of beautiful connection. And that, that's the thing that always impresses me uh, in these stories that I hear from folks in Catholic healthcare is their, their commitment to people gives them, makes them, or, or they are the kind of people who are, are able to be present to others where this really beautiful human connection happens. And all of their insight with theology, with language, it's not about imposing something, but it's about creating these spaces where something can happen. Um, that's very beautiful. That, that, to me, captures the courage, consolation, and compassion. That's beautiful, Chris. And the other thing I think it does is show how person-centered care is um, kind of this uh, beautiful relationship between care for a person's body, which is obviously a central part of medicine and health and aged care, but also care in the context of the relationships that people have, but also care in the context of the meaning-making that's going on, especially at a, a moment of great vulnerability like that. And I, I think it really, the, the mission leader's actions, as you've described them there, speak to a kind of, of remarkable insight and leadership. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, given the substantive focus on, of your program is on leadership, on what you think leadership looks like at this stage of the pandemic and we're now at a stage where we've flattened the curve where we we don't think we're going to see the radical surge in the hospitals and so on that we might have been fearing but we are all starting to think about well what happens next um, how do we write the next chapter as it were what do you think leadership looks like chris in this moment in time well i think we have uh, we we've seen lots of examples of good leadership and lots of examples of bad leadership uh, during this time. And for me, I think the thing coming out of this crisis, what it shows us is that we need 
leaders who are committed to being honest and committed to being transparent. And I think that honesty and transparency, it's really tied up with what you were saying earlier, Dan, about vulnerability. Um, Because I don't know that leaders can be truly honest and transparent unless they're also honest and transparent with themselves, Mm -hmm. with what they're feeling. Uh, Even if they're confident about the decisions that they're making right in front of them, they might not be confident about the outcomes. They might not be confident that this is going to be the thing that actually fixes the, the situation or fixes the problem that is uh, is chasing us. Uh, and being sort of honest about that with themselves strikes me as a crucial ingredient to being the kind of leader who can be honest and transparent with other people. And I think that if we, when we do have leaders who are committed in that way and who can be honest and transparent and vulnerable, uh, it creates the possibility for understanding and empathy because people can connect with that kind of leader because uh, that leader is not hiding behind power and authority, but is sort of putting herself or himself out there in a way where people can connect with the person. And then, I mean, I think that's what makes leadership effective is that if people trust you, then they're willing to work with you. And that's so crucial in this kind of situation where, uh, we need to take systems that are really complicated and expand expansive and connected with other systems that are themselves complicated and expansive, and we need to pivot. We need to change everything. And so people need to work together. Uh, but in order for that to happen, I think that all of these different conditions of honesty, transparency, connection, uh, vulnerability, I think that's really crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, this has been a wonderful conversation and I'm so glad that more people will get to hear you across our services and out in the community. Um, you, you normally get a, a smaller group for a longer period of time, but it's just a joy to be able to bring your wisdom to a, a larger group during the podcast. As a final question, what would you like to say to all of our staff at this time? Oh, well, that's. I would just like to say thank you. Um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. I mean, I, I said it before, but I think it was my brother who said in a conversation that our, our healthcare workers are, are our heroes these days. And his wife is a nurse. And it was really lovely when he said that. We were on a conference call because he was complimenting her um, too. But it's true. Our healthcare, the folks in healthcare are our heroes right now. And uh, making it possible for the rest of us to stay home, I mean, that's how we're helping with this crisis, Um, but they're putting themselves out there to take care of the rest of us. So yeah, thank you. Dr. Chris Jacobs Vandergeer, it's been a joy to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Dan. You've been listening to Compassion, Courage, Consolation, Voices for St. Vincent's during COVID-19. This podcast series has been developed by St Vincent's Health Australia. For more information about St Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music for this podcast comes from Kevin McLeod. His track, Bittersweet, let us in, and you can hear his track, Touching Moments, one now. Kevin's website is incompetech.filmmusic.io. And the music is brought to you under the Creative Commons 4.0 license. All of this information and more is provided in the text accompanying this podcast. Thanks for listening.